Hey, everybody. Before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You can also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're actually looking at a local Las Vegas film, and uh, we'll get into that in a minute. First, at the top of the show, just want to remind you to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together. You could do that on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, uh, a million other apps, just wherever you like to listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. And you could also rate and review us on iTunes. You could give us five stars. That would be even better. And uh, also make sure to follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Uh, check out our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. And uh, that's enough stuff for you guys to do before we even get the show started. Um, what are we doing today? We are talking about The Beast yeah, The Beast is a local film from here in Las Vegas from Ryan and Cody LaBeouf. I believe I'm pronouncing their name right. Uh, it was actually brought to me by Josh Bell, uh, who is a film critic and uh, has been a co-host here on the show a couple times already. And he had mentioned that this was one of the better local Vegas films that he had seen in recent memory. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? That actually sounds like it would be really fun to get to do another local film. We did a uh, bus party to hell a few months back, um, which of course I had worked on. Um, but it was cool to get to cover another local Las Vegas film. I I've worked with a lot of people here in Vegas, you know, obviously on the music end of things. And so uh, it's always great to be able to support uh, local film, and especially when it's a good one. Let's put it that way. And uh, The Beast is a story about a, uh, a weird play director who invites these people to his house under false pretenses, and uh, things go from crazy to worse, and... It's, it's pretty wild, and it's fun, and it's interesting and unique, and I, I really liked it. Um, but we'll get into that as Josh Bell and I discuss it and get into all the different puzzle pieces, and it's a really great conversation, so let's jump right in. So here we go with another episode of Piecing It Together, and today um, this is something we haven't done a lot of times we're doing a local film, um, and with me is Josh Bell. How you doing, Josh? I'm great. Glad to be back. Absolutely, man. Um, you brought this one to my attention. Uh, I I think I had seen it um, on like listings like the film festivals where it had played here in Vegas and stuff right. like that. Um, and then I saw your review of it, 
And then we started talking about it last time you were over here, and I thought, yeah, we might as well do this. It would be cool to do another local Vegas film. Yeah, this is one of my favorite local films. I mean, I've seen a lot uh, just having written about local film for a long time, and I've seen many, many very bad sure. Vegas movies, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and some good ones as well. Um, but I would say even among the good ones, this is... If not my favorite, definitely in like the top five of of true local productions that I've seen. Yeah, yeah, and and I like I we probably wouldn't be sitting here if I didn't also like it. Right, um, you know, because it, there is a certain level of when you're talking about like a local film or something like that. If it's bad, it could be potentially really bad. You know what I mean? Um, so, but this was really good and interesting and different and unique. And um, you know, we're gonna get into it as we go into these puzzle pieces and everything, but. Um, uh, these guys really did do a great job of, of making a movie. Um, did you happen to know offhand, I didn't ask you this beforehand, but, um, is this their first feature? It is their first feature. Yeah. And it was a long time in the works. In fact, I was looking back before coming here at an interview that I did with them in 2013 when they had gotten the grant that allowed them to, with the money to make this feature. So at that time they were already, I think had, they had written it and they were talking about their plans for it. And then shot it sometime after that. It premiered at that film festival in 2016. Yeah. So it took two years just to get out from the film fest to to being distributed. So um, they've done a lot of shorts and I think most of them are online. They're all really cool and weird. And if you liked yeah. The Beast, you will like the shorts. I'm sure I've seen some of their shorts before. Yeah. I mean, I've seen their names a million times over the years, you know, working in the Vegas film community. Right. They, and they work with a lot of, they collaborate with other Vegas filmmakers. Um, but I mean, I've, I was always impressed with their shorts and I was happy um, when they made this feature. And I'm hoping they'll make another. I don't know, maybe now that this is finally out and... Hopefully they got a little money from a distributor for it. Maybe that'll allow them to move forward with another feature. But yeah. as far as I know, this is definitely their first and as far as I know, their only feature. Okay. Well, uh, we might as well jump right into it. Uh, why don't you go ahead with your first puzzle piece? Um, well, continuing on the local Vegas theme, I might as well start with uh, Thor at the Bus Stop, which okay. is another uh, local production from another brother team of writer-directors, uh, Jerry Thompson and Mike Thompson. Uh, who definitely have worked with uh, the LaBeoufs as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if the LaBeoufs did anything on Thor at the bus stop, but um, they're all kind of part of a association of local filmmakers. And so it's not just the local connection, though. Uh, Thor at the bus stop was the first feature from the Thompson brothers. They've subsequently made one other feature. Um, But it has a similar kind of quirky, uh, surrealist sensibility um, Thor is a lot more comedic, I would say, uh, kind of less intense and serious. Um, it, it has, uh, it has some more serious moments, more emotional moments, but the beast it, is funny though. The I beast mean, is yes. Yeah. Awkward, funny, but right, funny. Yeah. Right. Uh, Thor is more like wacky, funny. Yes. I exactly. would say. Um, but I, I think it has that, that they've, it has a similar sensibility and I think both sets of brothers draw from some of the same influences. Um, Thor is kind of almost like an anthology or it's like a different bits interweaved. Um, also another thing about Thor is that it, some of the source material was some short films that the Thompsons had previously made right. and then incorporated into Thor. And the opening sequence in the beast was 
uh, initially a standalone uh, short film okay. that the LaBeoufs made. I don't know, possibly with the intention of expanding into a feature, right. but it was shown as kind of its own thing before it was incorporated into the feature. So there's that idea, too, of taking a short idea and building on it and expanding on it. And um, speaking of local films, uh, Thor at the Bus Stop, one of those, you know, top five or so sure. that I've seen um, that are actually pretty entertaining. So oh, have yeah. you have you seen it? Yeah, a long time ago, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it, it was it was fun. Yes. It was definitely a fun movie. Yeah, it is a fun movie, and the Thompsons have made a lot of shorts that are also a lot of fun available online. I think Thor is still uh, on Amazon, although maybe only like to buy on DVD, but it is around. Right. Yeah. Right on. Very cool. Well, representing local cinema yes. right there on the first yes, one. Yes, indeed. Like it. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead with my first puzzle piece. And uh, I'm going to preface this by saying my second puzzle piece, I'm not going to do them together, but my second one, when I get to it, is, it kind of goes along with this one. But uh, The House on Haunted Hill, um, you got it on your yes, list. Yes, that's yeah. one of mine as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, of course, they're not there to spend the night and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, the Vincent Price movies, uh, bringing people into a house with the, the, the promise of some kind of reward for, for showing up um, and having to outlast all the craziness <laughs> along yes the way. Yeah. yes um yeah that's definitely is on my list as well yeah um and uh it's a that's a very fun uh kind of cheesy william castle movie sure uh entertaining i haven't seen it since i was a kid but i do remember it very yeah well. <laughs> i saw it i think i saw it in the theater with the riff tracks commentary oh, on nice, it so nice. and that may have been the, but even so like some of those you're like, oh, it's. I'm so glad that they're talking through this because this movie is really bad and this yeah. is the only way it's entertaining. But that movie, I feel like, is entertaining on its own. Yeah. I've watched other William Castle, Vincent Price movies without Riff Tracks commentary that are fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't want to start a battle with Riff Tracks, but um, I saw The Room with Riff Tracks. Yeah. It's it's so much better without Riff Tracks. <laughs> <laughs> the Room is already hilarious. I mean, I know it's not your cup of tea, but right. like, it's so hilarious on its own and yelling your own shit at the, at the screen. <laughs> yeah. I, mean? I think um, they have to find the right balance there yeah. between, because they, they also do, there's Riff Tracks for Riff Tracks's. Yeah, uh, for movies go. that are good, yeah, and they just kind of make jokes during them, and yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know if that's really the right thing either. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know about that, but no, there's some really funny ones though. Yes, oh yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm definitely pro riff tracks and mystery <laughs> science theater and all of that, but um, but yeah, House on Haunted Hill. Um, I I think they I if if they didn't. See the house on Haunted Hill. Uh, there's there's definitely a, a permeation of that. Yeah, in this culturally, movie. It's, yeah. it's something that people know of, and it's like I, I'm sure that that's something they've probably seen though, being filmmakers. Yeah, I know. would think so. I don't know about the. I've never seen the remake of House on Haunted Hill. I don't think anybody saw that. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. Yes. Right on. Well, uh, what's your next puzzle piece? Uh, okay. Well, so I I did have House on Haunted Hill, and and I think thematically there are a lot of. Uh, movies maybe house on haunted hill was the first but movies about people being summoned to a mysterious dinner party in yeah. a in a creepy house okay. so i have a couple more of those yeah on, a, lot on my of, list. a lot of them are like that right yeah I, yeah I do as well some of them maybe like different spins on that idea but yeah absolutely that is like the kind of the core here right yeah um, so maybe we have some more of the same. Um, but the next one that i have is the invitation okay uh karen kusama's film from 
2015. And uh, that one and, and maybe one or two others that I picked actually probably could not be influences because they came out after they probably started working on this movie. But sure. but it definitely has a similar, I would imagine that the makers of The Invitation were influenced by House on Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very creepy movie uh, about a dinner party. Uh, it's about uh, this guy and his girlfriend, and they're going to this dinner party at like his ex-wife's house. So it was already, it's already kind of tense. Yeah. And they get to this party and um, they find out kind of over the course of the evening that the ex-wife and her new boyfriend are part of this. Basically, it's a cult. It's their right, right. their religion or or their uh, kind of a support group that they've gone to. But you you learn over time that it's a cult and other people who are at the dinner party are are part of it. And not to give it all away, but it takes a very, very sinister turn, yeah. more, more so than The Beast. And it gets violent. It has one of the great kind of like gut punch endings. It's not quite a twist, but one of those things where you, you get to the end and, and you see a certain thing and you're like, oh, that's what this was all leading up to. And it's like kind of really, it shakes you. So a very creepy movie. Nice. And another one with this kind of house, a uh, little isolated up in the hills and yeah. kind of... Uh, open and airy you don't really know what's in each room and it's a it's a it's a fun movie i'm glad you uh stopped yourself before the spoiler there because uh, spoilers are definitely cool on this show but i never have seen the invitation i always kind of wanted to because i've yeah. heard great things about it so you know i gotta see it one of these days right well i didn't so, I, I we can yeah. spoil maybe we can spoil the the main movie but sure. not the peace movies i yeah. don't know what your spoil, what you're... spoil away oh, i'm okay. just glad on that one particular one it, <laughs> all right it worked out for the best fair Let's enough put it that way <laughs> Yeah, but no, yeah, I've heard great things about the invitation. Yeah, it makes total sense from everything I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a. I don't know if I would say it's underrated because it got a lot of attention. Yeah, but it um, it's it's a good one. Yeah, right on. Um, all right. Well, my next puzzle piece, and like I said, this is kind of the uh, the opposite end of House on Haunted Hill. Um, this was obviously a very funny movie, darkly funny, darkly comic. Uh, the movie I'm about to say, this puzzle piece, is a dumb funny movie. It is. <laughs> Scary Movie 2, which oh is God. actually basically a parody of House on Haunted Hill. Okay. They, they, they jumped from uh, making fun of that craze of teen horror movies that were big at the time, the slashers, um, and went to a straight-up parody of House on Haunted Hill. And, I mean, the main character, um, I'm drawing a blank on the actor's name. Um, I've never seen it. So. Yeah. Oh, no, I meant in, uh, in The Beast. Um, oh, In The Beast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. August, uh, uh, she... August something definitely. Yeah. Is it Porter? I think it's Porter. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. August Porter. Yeah. Um, his uh his performance is quite off the wall when it, you know in certain scenes and um not unlike a lot of the craziness that unfolds in Scary Movie okay. Two. Although I will definitely put this above Scary Movie Two on my greatest movies of all time. List. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, taking a comedic spin though on that kind of a source material is right. why I believe that. Uh, that could very well be an inspirational film to a movie like this. I am not going to see Scary Movie 2, but I will take your word for that. You're like, just spoil away, but yeah. I'll go take a nap or something. We'll talk more about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I have not. I've somehow avoided the entire Scary Movie series. Uh, the first one was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, after that, it's just downhill. Yeah. <laughs> not my thing, usually. Um so I guess I might as well continue with the mysterious dinner party theme. Sure. Um, another one that's kind of on the level of The Invitation that was a smaller independent film that got a lot of buzz when it came out in 2014, so probably like the previous year, mm-hmm. uh, called Coherence uh, from James Ward Burkett, the writer-director. And um, I'm I'm less 
enthused. This was a movie that I heard a lot about for a long time, and then I finally watched, and I was kind of a little underwhelmed. It's a mm. very twisty, more, the invitation is more of a horror movie, I guess you would say, and coherence is more of a sci-fi movie. Okay. Um, these friends all get together for a dinner party uh, the night that a, a comet is going to pass close to the Earth, and as the comet passes, something happens, and um, they end up discovering sort of duplicates of themselves running around. Uh, in I the, think if I've heard of this movie. It does sound familiar. It's, um, I think I watched it on Hulu, actually, like a year or two ago. And uh, so I think it's out there streaming. Um, the, it's an it's a obscure cast. I think the, the most famous person in it is uh, Nicholas Brendan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> but it gets, it gets weirder and weirder. Uh, as it goes on and the characters are trying to figure out what happens. And it's one of those movies kind of like primer where in order to really understand it, you have to draw a detailed chart with a lot of arrows connecting to things because there's over as the movie progresses, there's all these different kind of alternate universe versions of the characters that come in and out of this one house or what appears to be one house, but maybe many houses that are exactly identical. Sounds awesome. Um, It sounds awesome. (laughs) And, and a lot of people loved it. I, like, in theory, I really liked it, but I felt like as it went on, and also weirdly enough for a movie that inter- intricate, all of the dialogue and character interactions were improvised. So it's kind of this weird combination of, like, densely plotted science fiction and, like, very loosely put together uh, hangout scenes. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I don't know if I felt like it all came together, but... Um, it's another movie also that was obviously made on a very small budget and came out of the idea that, like hey, the writer-director has, like, a friend who lives in this cool house. Right. What could we make there? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. can we invite all our friends to come star in it? And I think that's the spirit of these kind of movies as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it is a really cool house, actually, now that you mention it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's that's a cool one. Absolutely. I like it. Yeah, it, it, I would... It sounds like a cool movie. I would recommend... Because I probably liked it a little less than, than most people, and so I would still recommend, if you are curious, to check it out. Awesome. Right on. Well, uh, my next puzzle piece, uh, I'm going to move away from the uh, the crazy invitation to a house uh, <laughs> thing, although um, it is, eh, I don't know. <laughs> my, my next one is actually uh, Synecdoche, New York, um, which is a crazy yes. play uh, director. Right. Um, uh, that's kind of where the uh, the comparison kind of stops there, but I do believe that, um, first of all, I love that movie. I'm such a big Charlie Kaufman fan, um, but uh, Sinitsky, New York, th- that character, uh, such, like, so weird, and the play that he's making is just so, just, you know, uh, unbelievably bizarre, and this is a different kind of bizarre play that the main character in uh, The Beast is is making and is... Uh, bringing his actor to the house along with all these other people. But uh, I still see parallels there as far as um, seeing the life of this crazy playwright, you know? Yeah, I think so. And I kind of liked, we see a very small portion of the play mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, the play, which is called Rabbit Days, which was the original title. Right, of the Rabbit Beast. Days. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and I sort of like that we don't see too much of it because it gives us the chance to really imagine how insane and ridiculous it would be, and there's yeah. that scene in the Beast where where August tells the the actor, well, the the big monologue at the end. Let's just put it at the beginning instead, and you yeah. know that obviously that's not ever <laughs> yeah. like a way to make a good play. Yeah, but you know, just you can think about what kind of craziness would he possibly have come up with for this yeah. production? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you 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 kind of wonder like 
you know, where did this guy come from? Yeah. <laughs> where did these ideas come <laughs> from? This brain is not exactly solid. <laughs> right. Right. And that's what's, uh, what's so entertaining about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what would your next puzzle piece be? Okay. Well, so I'm going to jump off of your Synecdoche, New York and mention another Philip Seymour Hoffman film, um, which is the master uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And um, I cheated a little here because I looked back at this interview that I had done with the LaBeoufs back in 2013, where they talked about some of their influences, okay. just in a general sense. And so they mentioned P.T. Anderson. Um, and and I think I was I was thinking, I saw that, and I was thinking, you know, what Anderson movie is, is closest to this? And uh, The Master has so many of those intense, like, kind of one-on-one scenes yeah. where Philip Seymour Hoffman is breaking down Joaquin Phoenix. Um, and, and I think The Beast has a lot of that element, too, where, where August is, is yelling at uh, one of these other characters and kind of yeah, maybe maybe breaking them down or... or uh, I don't know, just just haranguing them in some sense, but but a lot of that intense actorly yeah. element to it. Um, Absolutely. Whereas really just these two performers going at each other, I think you can see a lot of that coming from the master. Sure. Also, I was going to say, um, the end of There Will Be Blood. Uh, uh, with, yes. With eccentric, crazy billionaire guy. Right. <laughs> you know, just yeah. like berating. Uh, uh, poor Paul Dano. You know? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if uh, which one of you sons of bitches took my jet ski could yeah. be up there with I drink your milkshake. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's a perfect parallel right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that's that's great actually. Yeah, and Paul Thomas Anderson. Also, um, his movies. There's there's a lot of ways to look at them. You know, as far as open ended, uh, um, you know, endings and, and meanings and all that kind of stuff. Which yeah. I think a lot of a lot of the movies we probably would talk about would be. Um, but and that's one of the things, actually, I should mention, is one of the things that set this apart from a lot of smaller independent films that I've seen, um, especially local ones, is is movies that aren't just like a very, you know, by the books kind of a thing. You right. know, uh, just a straight horror movie or a straight comedy or straight whatever. Um, it's very open-ended, and that's one of the things I found the most interesting about it. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't go into this movie expecting to explain it. Yeah. After you came out or yeah, whatever. Um, exactly. But it, it, it evokes a mood, I think, really yeah. well. And they use their limited resources. You know, you got the one main location and a handful of actors. Yeah. Um, but they put those to use really well. So you're not watching the movie just thinking about how much they didn't have, which right. I think, you know, some a lot of not just locally, but in general, like low budget indie filmmakers, just they reach further than their means yes, yes and it doesn't matter how good their writing is or whatever it's just like well you didn't have the production values needed to pull off this you know giant post-apocalyptic world or sure. whatever yeah <laughs> but well, they could just go out in the desert they got that production right. value well that's true yeah <laughs> but but in this movie yeah i i think there was there's a lot of artistic ambition in it yeah and production wise it, it uses all of its resources very well very well yeah absolutely Right on. Well, uh, my next uh, puzzle piece is also a movie that takes place in one location. Uh, is Carnage, um, mm. the uh, Roman Polanski movie. Um, and the main reason why I, I thought of this one is because one of the main things I thought during that movie is, why the fuck are you people staying in that room? <laughs> you know? Right. And uh, same thing with, uh, with The Beast. It's like, leave. Like, <laughs> seriously, leave. You yeah. know? I think some of the characters even say it to each other at certain points. Like, like, why are you staying here? Just go, just right. go. And they just never leave. You know, there's a couple of times where there's something like literally stopping them. But for the most part, 
You know, you're like, just go, man. Just run, you know, run, run. Yes. <laughs> How far can you be from civilization? Right, it's go. only 30 minutes outside of town, yeah. according to August, yeah. is what he tells them. Yeah. Go, go. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. There is that. Um, I hate Carnage. You didn't like FYI. that. FYI. No, I yeah. really dislike that movie. Um, and I actually like, speaking of Carnage, le- I didn't mention, well, I'll mention it now, but I, I specifically didn't want to mention uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is another similar, that sure. kind of, where the characters are just yelling at each other for two hours in one location. And yeah. I just really dislike both of those movies. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I can see, you know, I'm both based on plays also. Yes. And this, this has a certain play, almost stage quality to it. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think part of the reason I liked Carnage at the time is because I was on a big Christoph Waltz kick. So, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was kind of hard to not like it for me. But right, <laughs> right, that's fair. He's good. Yeah. Um. So okay. Um. I'll continue on my uh my cheating uh sort of kick there, and another influence that that the LeBeaufs had mentioned in general on their work is Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Um. And so again, like. Anderson, I was thought, okay, well, what Kubrick movie really connects here? And I think The Shining actually connects a lot here. Uh, you've got this isolated lodge with sure. a handful of people in it uh, who, in that case, can't leave, really. Although they maybe could. And The Shining is another one of those movies where you watch, you think, you just go! Yeah, get just out get out of there as soon as you can. <laughs> um, but you have the, the, character, the character who at first seems maybe a little weird, but right. like, fine. And over the course of the movie, you realize is a totally unhinged, crazy yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, the Shining is more violent than uh, The Beast, I guess I would say. Sure. Um, but but it has that same escalation and where the characters are just, they're isolated and they're either unable to escape or unwilling to escape and things just get worse and worse. And you realize you can't reason with this guy. Yeah. You know, at first it's like, well, okay, what's going on here? Why don't we talk about this? And then quickly it becomes clear that talking about it is impossible. Right. And right. even if he agrees to something, you can't trust him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to just go from bad to worse. And, yes. You know, yeah, this, this guy is not going to, uh, he's not going to let things, he's not going <laughs> to let you go. He's not going to let anything go. Well. Right. Yeah. Right. You're there for a reason and you don't get to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. Uh, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I mean, Kubrick's such an influential director. I mean, it makes sure it, it would make sense just in general that these guys would be uh, influenced by his work. Yes. Um, right on. My next one is actually a uh, a bucket of films. Um, it is a twenty four horror movies. Man, a twenty four. I always got to bring them up every somehow. episode. Yes. <laughs> Um, but no, like it comes at night and the witch and, uh, I mean, hereditary is too new, but I'll throw that in there as well. Um, but mainly the establishing shots of, of where the house is, Mm. um, especially towards the beginning of the film, there are a lot of those shots where it's like, you know, you're seeing these like beautiful shots of of the forest, not knowing that what exactly is going to be, you know, in there. You know what I mean? And not, not knowing how sinister things are going to get as you, as you go in, because you're just seeing these beautiful shots of landscapes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hereditary, especially, which again, as you say, is too new to actually influence this, but it has a lot of those creepy establishing shots. There are those great shots in hereditary where it's suddenly nighttime in like a split second, which I love. Um, so yeah, the, the creepy isolated house vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, even though Hereditary is too new, but uh, Payman's a little 
similar to the thing at the end of the beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is that is true. Or 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 Black Philip. Black yes. Philip could be the beast. Oh yeah, absolutely. In his own uh, in his own way. And we do need more Black Philip in more movies, if possible. True. When so. is when is the Black Philip <laughs> franchise yeah. going to get itself off the ground? Black Philip versus Freddy, maybe. Oh, I'm down. I am down for sure. <laughs> All right, what's your next stop? Um, okay, well, I'm going to take a little... I have some more kind of creepy, surreal movies, but I'm going to take a little detour here and mention Die Hard. Um, oh, okay. Not necessarily for the plot of Die Hard, although it does take place in a single location sure. with a, with an unhinged villain, mm-hmm. um, but mainly for the lead performance in The Beast by Clarence Gilliard, mm-hmm. who has a small role in Die Hard, but which is still probably his best-known performance. Um, but... His his sort of longest running performances, he was on Matlock and he was on Walker, Texas Ranger for years, in both cases playing kind of like a sidekick character to the very upstanding, wholesome main character. Mm. And so these are these kind of square procedural shows where he's the guy who helps the guy who does the right thing. Sure. Um, but as far as giving a performance like he does in The Beast, where he's this manic unhinged, dangerous, volatile guy. I think if you go back and look at his character in Die Hard, who's one of the henchmen of Alan Rickman, and he's the guy, he's the computer guy, and all his scenes are him taking this kind of glee in fucking stuff up. In, you know, (laughs) making things go haywire and sabotaging all these systems. And he has these little laughs, and and you can see performance-wise where he might have looked back on that as a performance to influence his work here, or maybe he didn't, but right. <laughs> that was, that was the, the connection that I thought in, in, in Clarence Gilliard's work. And he's great in the beast. Yeah. He's really good. Like he carries this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, there is a, a definite gleefulness in in that, uh, that lunacy. Yes, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Um, right on. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And that's, uh, definitely out of left field, but, uh, right. <laughs> but I like it. It makes, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Um, right on. Uh, well, my next one is, um, the evil dead, um, which usually that is an influence for me with any small independent horror movie of any kind. Um, but more specifically because you don't really see the thing that, uh, that is lurking, you know, um, with the evil dead, it's that, that the, in the woods and, you know, the, uh, the, the motion of, of the, uh, camera oh, and all yeah, that. the POV shots. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, in evil dead too, you kind of see it, although it's something different in every entry of the evil dead world. But, uh, um, yeah, but you never really see it. I mean, aside from the deadites, you never really see what exactly is out there, what the evil is, you know, whereas in, in, uh, in the beast, you never, you never really see until the very, very final shot, anything that is, you know, right. And even in that anyway, final shot, you, you don't know what that really is. You don't is. really know what it yeah. is, what it means, if it's even there, if it's real, you know, you really don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Evil Dead. Well, I know you're a huge Evil Dead fan. Yes. And uh, I, I, I like those. I, I mean, it's been a while since I saw The yeah. Evil Dead, I think. But yeah, it's that's a fun and certainly influential, like you said, on basically yeah. every low budget horror movie. I got to do a breaking it apart on Evil Dead. That would be great. There you go. <laughs> and that that's another movie that like when Sam Raimi made that movie, it was like, Hey, we have this cabin. Yes. We have some friends. What can we do? We have a Bruce Campbell. Right. Right. (laughs) And you know, that was, that was his sort of intro, you know, and that making something like that got him to where he is. So maybe the LaBeoufs will get Sam Raimi levels. You never know. Yeah. They just need a good Bruce Campbell. Right. (laughs) Um, 
So, okay. So I'm going to go back to the, the surreal, uh, odd things for, I have a couple more. Um, one is, uh, Mulholland drive and, okay. uh, and on also David Lynch in general. I mean, there's a clear, strong David Lynch influence in this movie. Um, and I picked Mulholland drive partly just cause it's my favorite David Lynch movie, sure. but I think it, it has that, that kind of dreamlike feel to it. And it's also a movie where at the beginning, maybe you kind of think you can follow it in a more logical, straightforward way. And as it goes on, you just have to just let, let go. that go. Yeah. And I think this movie too, you're like, okay, he's a professor and he's got his colleagues and I see what's happening here. And then somewhere around the middle, you just have to say like, I'm just going to go with this yes. because I don't know and I'm not going to know. Exactly. And, and, and David Lynch can definitely get audiences there. And I think this movie does too. And that's, that's the power of a movie like that's surreal and weird and makes no sense can easily just be a chore and tedious and you're like, well, I don't even care. And why am I watching this? But right. if you do that, well, you can draw the audience in just as effectively as if you were telling this clear, straightforward story where people are like, Oh, what's going to happen now? Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely has very Lynch like qualities to this movie. Um, and I think you had mentioned that to me before I saw it actually, when you first recommended oh, yeah. that I watch it and, um, and I, yeah, definitely, you know, definitely, um, very, very weird, very, uh, mysterious, very not knowing what's happening. Yeah. 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 But giving you that unsettling feeling. Unsettling yes. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a very good word. Yeah. To, uh, Even though you don't know it, it, it brings out a reaction and yeah, you. yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, I am going to go with my next puzzle piece then. Um, and that is. Waiting for Guffman, uh, which right. bringing it back to the crazy, yeah. uh, you know, film director. Yeah. I mean, uh, play director. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that one on this episode <laughs> because when when you, when you see the little bits and pieces of the play, which you don't see much, you right. know, um, it, it's pure. You know, it's ridiculous. You know? That's true, and yeah. I think I think Guffman has that quality too, where you see just enough, yes. to think about how bad this play must be. Exactly, but you know, they leave it mostly to your imagination. Yeah, and it's like it's a little sad, but it's like it's just it's great. It's yeah. funny, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that is true. I I I can definitely see that, and um, I haven't seen Waiting for Guffman in so long. It's I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's been it. a long time too, and I feel like Christopher Guest has really ridden that whole bit yeah. into the ground a, l- a little bit his, l- his most recent thing i didn't like that much, yeah but, uh, uh, but but guffman so it's one of those things where like at the time you were like wow and i wonder now maybe you think oh well this is, doesn't seem as fresh because he did it so many more times after that yeah but it was great i will watch it and i'll let you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> you could that could be another break that movie is it's so true. influential it's absolutely true yeah no it, it really is Especially to uh, Christopher Guest, but <laughs> right, yes, he just influenced himself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. but I mean, he basically like became a whole genre. It did out of that one movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so good. All right, what's your uh, next puzzle? Okay, piece? so the last one I have, and this is a super obscure pick. It's a 1966 Czech movie called A Report on the Party and the Guests, which um, I only watched because uh, a few years ago I I did a a, a blogathon thing where uh was sort of it was like a white elephant gift exchange okay and so i uh picked a weird movie that someone else would have to watch and write about and then i got this movie which i had never heard of okay um 
And it's it's actually like I I did this this project a few times and mostly you just get these terrible like you know hopefully entertainingly terrible movies yeah um but this is actually like a an important influential movie in the Czech New Wave and was a uh kind of a political movie about the communist government at the time um not that you would necessarily know that watching the movie if you don't know about Czech history because the movie itself is this very surreal story about these people who have a picnic and are kind of trapped in this picnic by these strange uh, assailants who accost them and torture them and separate them from each other. And it just gets, Hmm. again, it's another one of these movies where you start and you're like, okay, I sort of see what's happening here. And then as it goes on, you're just like, okay, I'm just going to either you go with it or you don't. Um, but, uh, Jan Nemich is the name of the director. Um, and it's an experience. I don't know if I would wholeheartedly recommend it, especially if you're not big into Czech films or hit Czech history, but it was something where I, I got this and I like, okay, I'm watching this and I don't know what this is. And it was certainly an experience. And I think there's, there's a long history of using surrealism to make political statements. And I don't know if this movie is necessarily making any kind of statement like that. Sure. But the way that you 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 escalate the absurdity of the story right. in order to show the absurdity of life. Sure. And whether that's under a political regime or just the general absurdity of life, I think there's a lot of that going on here where even in life, sometimes you just have to say like, I don't know what the hell is happening right now, but yeah. I'm just going to do my best. Yeah, no, I absolutely. The, the absurdity definitely is a major thing with this movie. Um, Yeah, no, I, I didn't actually write it down, but I was almost going to put Wes Anderson as, as a, uh, as a puzzle piece um, just because uh, just absurd and, and weird and quirky. And yeah, I mean, but yeah, the absurdity is a major thing that makes this movie stand out and makes it interesting. Yeah. 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 I agree. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, I have one more puzzle piece, and it's actually two movies that I kind of put together here. Um, they're, they're big, beloved movies um, that bring it back to the crazy, wacky um, uh, host, ah, so, so yes. to speak. Um, and that would be Willy Wonka and Jurassic Park. Oh, um, all right. Yeah, both feature, um, you know, eccentric uh, millionaire, billionaire, whatever, bringing people to their world and... Uh, for not exactly a hundred percent clear reasons as you get there. And, yeah. And you're, you're along the way, things are getting weirder or in Jurassic park getting screwed up and yes. a disaster, you know, yes. Yes. but, um, but, uh, yeah, no, they're just eccentric millionaires bringing people into their world. Yeah. I mean, you kind of wonder if, uh, August Porter is a millionaire or perhaps, uh, probably a hundred pop. Yeah. (laughs) And it admits at one point that this is not actually even his house and he's been fired from his job. But yeah, if he had billions of dollars, he might resurrect dinosaurs or build a dangerous chocolate factory. I could see that both happening. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably more chocolate, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. He does love carrots. That is one of the things that we established in this movie. Yeah. Covered carrots. Are those a thing? I hope not. Yeah. (laughs) Bad idea. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the finished puzzle. So I'm going to read down the list of all the movies we talked about. Um, We started it off with a local film, Thor at the bus stop. And then we went to The House on Haunted Hill, uh, The Invitation, Scary Movie 2, um, A24 horror movies like It Comes at Night, The Witch, Hereditary, um, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, Die Hard, um, what do we got here, uh, Jurassic Park, Willy Wonka, Synecdoche, New York, 
Carnage, uh, Mulholland Drive, a report on the party and the guests, uh, Evil Dead, and Waiting for Guffman. Um, so yeah, I mean, like we said earlier, it's a lot of movies that feature eccentric weirdos and, <laughs> and a lot, a yes. lot of eccentric hosts and weirdness. And uh, it, it, this is a very strange movie. I mean, you know, it's very weird, but that's that's the appeal of a movie like this. And and like we've talked about throughout the uh, the open endedness and not really knowing what's happening and being almost as lost as the characters in the movie, you know. Um, which is a, a really uh, a cool feeling for a movie to evoke, especially something at such a you know smaller indie level. It's great that they're able to pull something like that off. Um, I read your review before we uh, actually did this, before I even saw the movie. Yeah. So I, I know that you really like this movie, but uh, just to wrap things up, um, how'd you like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, yeah. as, as I say in my review, and as I was saying earlier, I've seen a lot of local productions and and... Most of them are very bad, yeah. to be perfectly honest. I mean, and that's okay. <laughs> Most films at that level are bad and people are trying and, and in many cases improving. Yeah. Um, but I think going into local productions, I'm always skeptical. I try to be an open-minded and sure. optimistic. Um, and I had seen some of the LaBeouf shorts before, so I think maybe I had slightly higher expectations going into this movie because I knew they had done some good work in their yeah. shorts. Um, but I was really impressed. And I saw this at a festival where I saw some other local films, but also some non-local independent films. Mm. And it was among the best films that I saw at that festival of any type. Um, I I think it's great that it's getting a release of, of some kind uh, sure. on Amazon. I hope people will find it. Yeah. That may be changing its title to The Beast will help uh, and putting together, I don't know if you saw the trailer that's on Amazon, but the distributor obviously recut this trailer that makes it look like this intense horror movie, yeah. which is super misleading, but maybe it'll get some people to watch it yeah. and enjoy it for what it actually is. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, I hope it reaches a wider audience. I'm trying to tout it wherever, write a review, uh, mention it on TV, do this podcast to hopefully get more people to see it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I liked it quite a bit, too. Um, it, it, you know, it still has some of that, uh, you know, the small independent film type, sure. of, type of shortcomings. But generally speaking, it, it, it definitely elevated itself to levels that you don't normally see in these kind of movies. Um, and it was it was interesting. And, and there's some pretty great performances, especially by that lead. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely liked the movie quite a bit. I'm glad. You suggested that I watch it. <laughs> and I'm glad that you liked it. It all worked out. It all worked out in the end. <laughs> not for the uh, people in the movie. But well, yeah, us. not so much. For yeah, and not jet ski. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, Josh, you got anything you want to plug before we wrap it up? Uh, you know, all my usual things. Uh, go to joshbellhateseverything.com. Uh, check me out on Twitter at SignalBleed, on Facebook at Josh Bell Hates Everything. Uh, you catch my reviews in all sorts of places and uh, watch me on Channel 13, Fridays at 11 a.m., Sundays at 6.30 p.m. And um, that's plenty. That's more than more than enough of me. Sounds good to me, man. Well, right on. Thanks for being here and we will do it again soon. Sounds good. everyone, it's Danny from Watching My Stories. I watch a lot of TV and movies. My husband does not. So listen as I share with him what I'm watching while he tries to pay attention, show interest, and understand my point of view. 
New episodes are released every Sunday, so check us out at watchingmystories.com or subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I'll be watching my stories. All right. Yeah, make sure to check out that podcast. And also, you should check out the Brian and Sherry show, which is on Blog Talk Radio on Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can also check out BrianSherryShow.org. Uh, that's going to be another podcast that I'm actually going to be a guest on pretty soon. So I'll make sure to uh, post a link for that once that's up. But definitely check out the show in the meantime. And I hope you enjoyed that talk with Josh Bell um, talking about The Beast and make sure you go check out The Beast. It is available to view on Amazon Prime. Uh, you can rent it on there um, or buy it. And it's definitely a movie worth checking out. Um, it's always great to support local film. Um, but like I said at the beginning, especially when it's a good one, you know. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out The Beast. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, make sure to leave us a rating on iTunes. Five stars would be great. And you can send us any feedback you want. Um, I'm open to anything. I definitely want to hear from you guys. You can tweet at us at PiecingPod. You could also join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. Or you could just email me, bydavidrosen at gmail.com. So uh, with that being said, I think that's it for this episode, for this week. But, um, you know, we were actually supposed to do a episode on the movie Searching this week, but uh, we, we had to postpone that. But we should be getting back to that next week, along with an episode on The Nun. And uh, we've got a couple other episodes coming up here, too, soon. So we have no shortage of movies to watch and talk about. So I hope you're enjoying the show, and we will talk to you soon.
and all points west.